Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So, for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to The Big Cruise Podcast. Welcome to The Big Cruise Podcast and welcome to episode 12. My name's Baz and I'm your host and in today's show we'll shortly be joined by Chris Frame who will be talking uh, maritime news and history. Uh, a little later we'll have Peter Collar from Clear talking uh, about what you can do when you're visiting Auckland. And then a little later in the show, Bruce Piper from Cruise Weekly will be reviewing his uh, recent cruise aboard APT's Amma Magna. Now, today we've received a couple of questions in the, the inbox via the website, um, and I'm going to leave those questions to Chris to answer in next week's show, because it's specifically asking about transatlantic cruises, and I know that's something that's uh, very close to Chris's heart. So, Christine in Queensland, please hold fire. Please listen into the next podcast, because we'll answer those questions for you. And don't forget, if you've got a burning question, or you'd like to leave a review, or simply get in touch with us, you can do so via the website, thebrigcruisepodcast.com, and that's where you'll also find all of the show notes to each and every episode. When you're packing for your next cruise, maybe consider a new pair of handmade sandals to go. Uh, Evocus are handmade in Spain and sold with love here in Australia by sandalsandsunsets.com.au. You'll find all the details in the show notes below. And it's time for my favourite part of the show where we're joined every week by our good friend Chris Frame. Chris, welcome back. Thanks so much, Barry. What a week. It's a fast week. <laughs> These weeks seem to get faster and faster every week, but uh, been lots of news. But before we get into the news, let's turn back time to 1840 and a ship I've never heard of. It's a ship that most of you have never heard of. And um, if I was to say what's the first Cunard ship to ever cross the Atlantic, what would come to mind? Probably, and I may be wrong at this, Britannia. That is the one that most people would say, uh, but it is actually, funnily enough, uh, not 100% correct because oh. Britannia was the first Cunard-built ship, ship built for Cunard, right. that operated. And we will talk most likely about Britannia next month because it is their 180th anniversary next month yep. of that particular voyage. And that's the date that that company really um, signifies its anniversary. But before Britannia made its maiden voyage, um, 
Cunard, Samuel Cunard, who's the founder, he was a pretty, pretty savvy man. And he had a secondary ship that would operate the coastal voyages um, from Canadian ports to bring in feeder services into um, Halifax for Britannia and her fleet mates. Um, but this ship was actually built over in um, Great Britain. It was operating in Great Britain and it was purchased uh, by Cunard. It was called the Unicorn. Oh, wow. uh, and in, I know, not even an IA ending like most of the Cunard ships, but in um, May of uh, 1840, she set sail across the Atlantic and arrived into Halifax and then went um, on a tour down to Boston in June of 1840. Uh, And this was brilliant because not only was it done as a sort of proving voyage for the route that Cunard was going to operate on, but from a PR perspective, it was just genius because the ship arrives into these ports in Canada and in the United States and generates all this interest before Britannia's maiden voyage. And so by the time Britannia gets there, um, people are already aware of the Cunard Line service and the fact that that they're able to operate these 14-day crossings on the North Atlantic. Um, so Unicorn herself was smaller than, um, than the ships that succeeded her. Uh, she only did that one transatlantic crossing for Cunard and then concentrated on doing the feeder service. So she would pick up passengers who'd left Britannia and the fleet mates that entered service after Britannia and then take them on sort of supplementary voyages up to um, other ports in Canada as well so that you could basically board the ship in major Canadian coastal cities and sail down to Halifax and then get on the um, paddle steamers to go across the Atlantic to to Great Britain. Um, So really clever and the first Cunard ship, the first one in the books that no one knows about. Wow. Yeah. Where did you dig that bit of uh, <laughs> the history from? <laughs> well, funnily enough, um, we've actually just um, had our new book, 180 Years of Cunard Launch. Um, funnily, funnily enough, we're actually seeing reviews and people are messaging me about it, but we haven't actually seen the physical copies yet because oh, really? <laughs> um, it's published in the I know it's published in the UK and with um, with COVID nineteen, the posters being impacted, so we haven't received ours yet. But um, in researching that book, we we found out all about Unicorn um, and her her remarkable sort of early voyage. Wow. Impressive, impressive. Now, yeah. we'll, we'll jump into news and we'll start off with some devastating news for, for me personally. Um, uh, Carnival Corporation have announced uh, something quite major this morning. Yes, so they're going to be selling six of their ships and retiring them earlier than expected. They haven't yet announced which six they are referring to and earlier in the week there was um, other reports in relation to Costa having um, sold Costa Victoria to become a hotel ship at a shipyard um, for shipyard workers so uh, whether or not that ship is included in the six or not I think has yet to be um, 100% clarified but they did put out a a guidance um, for their shareholders which included this this plan to uh, complete the sale of six of these ships within the next 90 days um, and look, I think um, from speculation that you can see from, from uh, analysts online, it's most likely going to be six of the older ships that were probably flagged for retirement sometime in the next few years, anyway. Uh, but with the um, you know with the impact of of COVID nineteen and the fact that since March these ships have been empty uh, of passengers, it just gives uh, them this this sort of imperative to to streamline their operation. And I guess that's why we're seeing these six ships being um, sold in a big cluster like this. But again, for for Carnival, completely unprecedented um, to see 
such a big chunk of of the fleet sold in in one in one time yeah i mean they have got more than 100 ships across all the various different brands but yeah normally you see one or two uh, d- uh, retire mm. um over yeah. over time but yeah big big news i mean it's as as you say it's a it's an enormous operation by far the biggest um cruise operator and i suppose um you know in terms of the the total fleet six isn't that big a number but um just to see six ships going all uh, within the next 90 days uh, definitely makes you realize how stressful things must be for the shipping lines at the moment and uh, in more positive news our friends at viking have uh, floated out another vessel yeah, so from uh, retirements to to new entries into service, um, Viking uh, has been obviously expanding its fleet over recent years, and their newest uh, ship is Viking Venus, which is floated out at the shipyard. Um, so it will then go um, and have its sort of final interior touches put onto it and do its sea trials and all that sort of stuff in order to prepare it for service. Um, it was scheduled to enter service in early 2021. Uh, at the moment, there's no indication as to whether that's been um, delayed or not um, but you know it's full steam ahead in terms of the build which is good for for both the shipping um, line but also uh, great for the shipyard because obviously if there was any delays these things have knock-on effects um, she carries around about 930 passengers it's a very luxurious product um, on board viking so that small ship cruising um, and her maiden season will concentrate on Europe, um, particularly Northern Europe and the Mediterranean. Yeah, Vikings really built a, a following. Though for a long time they were the, the the largest fleet of river vessels, but uh, they've very very quickly got to that eleventh ship for, for the for the ocean fleet, which is uh, great news, as you say. Mm. Now, uh, our friends at Silver Sea had an announcement regarding Australia last week. This week they're talking about Asia. They are so now. There's going to be three of their ships dedicated to the sort of Australia Asia um, region. Um, and so we'll see Silver Moose, Silver Moon, and Silver Shadow uh, in relatively close quarters around our part of the world. Um, and so they'll be doing a series of cruises um, taking in Asia as well as what they'd already announced from their Australian voyages. And they'll be doing cruises to New Zealand across 2021 and 22. Um, and they say it will that 2022 sort of um, theme is being carried through because they say it will take in 222 destinations. Oh. Um so across the across the fleet uh, throughout that that season. So, you know, this is looking ahead now um, until next year. I think most cruise lines are going to be pivoting to to focusing into twenty twenty two, and most likely you'll start to see um, announcements coming out about what the future itineraries itineraries will look like in that sort of post coronavirus world. Absolutely, um, I noticed Moon is going to be concentrating on that kind of Singapore Hong Kong uh, route, uh, really captive really focusing on uh, Vietnam. Um, Muse will be focusing on Japan and Shadow's got a whole array of uh, different leisurely slower paced itineraries. And one of them really caught my eye, which was Papua New Guinea. Um, over in Norway, um, Hurtigruten commenced their first coastal voyage week this week. And also uh, tell us what the, the future of cruising on Hurtigruten is going to look like. Yes, yeah, so they have. And we've spoken about this in previous podcasts, these sort of local um, voyages that are staying within sort of the boundaries of, of one one region. Um, and so they've sort of been among the first to to implement this. Um, but with that comes a, a series of new policies and procedures, which are quite extensive. Um, and I think time would, wouldn't permit us to read them all out, but um, they're available on their website, for example. Uh, but just um, sort of a, a little bit of a, a summary of some of the most um, I guess interesting points is that they are going to have their ship sailing at half capacity, about 50% full to allow for social distancing. Um, and they've also committed to following the Norwegian Institute of Public Health guidelines 
um, for you know onboard health and safety, which will be monitored among not just the crew but also all of the guests as well. Um, there's a big conversation at the moment around the cruising world as to whether or not face masks should be mandatory, whether you would wear a face mask or if you would go on a cruise if face masks were mandatory. Um, a few um, prominent cruising um, YouTubers have also been doing some some stuff on that. In fact, Emma, who you had on a little while ago, yep, yep. Uh, she's done a video about um, about masks and stuff as well on board the ships. But um, here on Hertogruden, it's going to be optional, but they will make it available for everybody on board who does want a mask. Um, so I think that's sort of similar to what we're seeing on airlines. Uh, Qantas has been doing the same sort of thing with um, yeah. sort of comfort and wellness packs where the mask is included, but you don't have to wear it when you're on board. Um, there'll also be obviously basic things such as increased cleaning schedules and a, and a strong focus on hand washing, particularly when it comes to um, high usage areas and going into the dining rooms as well. Okay, I'm moving from Hertigruten in Norway, um, a popular cruise line in the UK, Saga, have announced the departure of one of their much-loved vessels. Yeah, so the Saga Sapphire, which has been a, a popular member of the fleet for quite some time now, um, and actually she's quite a remarkable ship because she actually used to sail as Europa for um, Hapag Lloyd um, and was the highest-rated ship in the world back in the 1990s. Um, but she's been sailing with Saga, um, having had a few different owners over her career, uh, and now she's going to be moving on for the next stage of her life uh, with Annex Tour, uh, which is um, operating the ship. Well, it's, it's a um, Turkish operator, uh, and it'll be operating the ship on a new sort of cruise itinerary as well. So, um, again, I don't think they'll be able to um, really do much in the way of, of the expected send-off of such a loved member of the fleet. Usually when a ship leaves um, the fleet, you get a, a very good sort of farewell season. And you, you actually saw that with previous sails, um, such as the Saga Ruby and the Saga Rose, yeah, where they that. did sort of celebratory. Vo- yeah, and they had – Saga has a long history of, of acquiring um, highly rated ships in their older age. You know, so Saga Ruby was um, was the Vista Fjord with um, Cunard and Norwegian America Line, and uh, Saga Rose was the Saga Fjord. And again, in the 1980s, both of those were the highest rated ships in the world. They were considered five-plus stars, which wow. meant it was even better than five-star. <laughs> um, but yes, now Saga's, of course, uh, embarked on a new endeavor with uh, with new builds, and I suppose you're going to start to see some of the older um, ships retired. But um, definitely um, a sad time to be going without people being able to say farewell, but they might be able to wave her off if she as she leaves the United Kingdom. hope so. I do hope so. Um, Chris, mm. you always put out some great videos. I saw another one this week. Remind us where we can uh, follow you. Oh, thank you, Barry. Yeah, so it's um, Queen Mary this week. I, I did a, a look back in how her construction um, actually helped save Britain and Cunard during the Great Depression. Uh, and you can find that at youtube.com slash chriscunard. And I'll be sure to put it in the show notes as well, mate. As always, thanks for your time, Chris. Really appreciate it. We'll catch you next week. Okay, next up on the show, it's time to welcome back Peter Collar from Clear. Peter, welcome back. Thank you, Barry. Um, this week, I thought we'd touch on a port a little closer to home, um, a port that features as a port of call for some cruise itineraries. But for most Aussies, I think they'll see it as an embarkation or disembarkation port. Let's talk about Auckland, New Zealand. Yeah, I, I've said on the program before, I love ports where you can just walk off and there you are. You know, the logistics are really yeah. easy and, and Auckland is one of them. If you're um, if you're cruising in, 
um, Princess Wharf or Queen's Wharf is right downtown, right in the heart of it. And you just walk off the, the pier and across the road and you're already in the CBD. And and, and the, why I love it is, you know, I've, I've spoken before about other ports where options are possible. So, you know, everyone just thinks Auckland, main city, um, shopping, um, of course, uh, what's it called? The space, uh, the Sky Tower, that's it, uh, sitting up there. Oh, yeah, they're yeah. the sort of main things. But you got Waiheke Island, which for me is fabulous. Now, if you don't know what that is, it's a 40-minute ferry ride um, from the key area in which you're in. And so uh, wineries and great food. Look, there are a lot of surrounding islands there for hiking and nature. Just where you get off the ship, uh, there's little, um, there's a lot of little inlet bays. It's like I'm from Sydney, so we have Darling Harbour, but there's a lot of those scattered around and you've got Wynyard uh, area. And it's just great atmosphere. So you can, you can do tours. You can uh, do it on your own. Airport's not the easiest. It's about 30 to 60 minutes. And the traffic there is, I suppose, like anywhere else in the world. Yeah, it's not so good. But uh, look, it's a real good starting or finishing port because it encapsulates, I suppose, all the elements of New Zealand. So that, that whole itinerary, if you're going up or down uh, New Zealand, you, you every port's different. You know, there's this cultural immersion and there's this scenery immersion. So they really have distinct flavours and characters. And Auckland is pretty much the hodgepodge of it all. So if you, if you want to do art, you can certainly go out the art gallery. Uh, they've got a Navy base if you want a bit of history. Um, hey, they've got America's Cup there. They're, they're riding on that one for a while, haven't they? <laughs> um, so you can go on one of those uh, um, boats and they actually make you do all the work. So for me, it wasn't that much fun. But look, it's, it's that's why I love it. You know, you, if you want the, the Maori and the Pacific culture, you certainly have uh, precincts that are dedicated for that. So... Um, yeah, I like things that are convenient, um, attractive, something for tourists, something for people like me who just like to sit on a bar, have a beer, and people watch. It's you know, it's yeah, a no, great it's a, city, great city, and a great country, as you say. Every single port is completely different, has completely different things to offer, and it just makes for a really good fourteen night cruise oh, holiday. Beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Thanks, Pete. Always a star. Uh, we look forward to speaking to you next My time. My pleasure. Thanks, Baz. This podcast is not possible without the help of our good friends at cruisefinder.com.au. Uh, they have more than 30,000 different cruises live on their website, many with live availability and pricing. But most importantly, each and every call, chat and email is answered here in Australia by Australian clear accredited cruise specialists. So when you're looking for your next cruise, please consider the team at cruisefinder.com.au. <music> And it's that time of the show where we uh, head over and speak to a, a cruiser about their real cruise experience. And today we're joined by Bruce. Bruce, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Baz. Great to be here. Excellent. Now, um, a little while ago, you were cruising with uh, APT and AMA, because obviously they're in partnership. Um, and you were on board the, the new um, mega ship, for want of a better word, AMA Magna. Yes. Look, I was, I was so privileged to be part of this. Um, I was lucky enough to be on the christening cruise of, of this ship, which is... Uh, you know, quite a unique uh, river cruise product. Uh, you know, it's really unlike anything else because it's twice as big, twice the width of, of any other uh, river river cruise ship. Yeah, incredible. 22 metres wide, which obviously gives you a, a lot more space on board. But there's not double the passengers, though, is there? No. Um, the, it, 
I was really interested to see the layout uh, be, because obviously you don't want to have, um, you've got all that plenty of space, but you know you don't want to have inside cabins and that sort of thing. But what they've done is it's, it's very clever. Um, lots and lots of uh, balcony, they're, all, they're really suites. Um, okay. Very large, um, but also uh, opportunity to do all sorts of other stuff. Uh, there's a, a gym, there's a... Um, uh, you know, a bunch of dining options, um, lots of public spaces, and so you really feel like you're on you're on quite a large ship. You know, a bit like being on a big ocean ship. Oh, brilliant! So you were um, obviously on the the Christine cruise. It's a shorter cruise than what is normally available to the public. Um, you were cruising from from Budapest. Did you have any pre time yeah. in Europe, or did you jump straight pretty much on the vessel? No, um, dive straight onto the vessel. So, so flew in uh, on Qatar Airways, uh, landed in Budapest, straight to the dock. Um, and in fact, I arrived, I think the ship had been docked there, the, the passengers had been on board that night and they were all sort of doing excursions. Um, so when I arrived, it was very quiet. Um, I was shown straight on board, um, shown to my, my stateroom. But then I was lucky enough to just do a bit of an inspection of a couple of other ships that were that okay. were docked there. Include, um, so I went to so Travel Marvel, um, which is a sister brand to mm-hmm. APT. They had one of their ships there, and so it was really great to uh, be able to have a have a look at, at what that is, which is a very different offering. Um, but, and again, there were no passengers on board, so the cruise director just showed me around, and um, yeah, that was really interesting. Wow, that's incredible to be to be on a normal standard size ship and then be back on the double width. Must really make you appreciate the, the the difference in size. Oh, absolutely, and and not just that. Emma Magna, you know, obviously was straight out of the shipyard, brand new, everything, you know, very schmick. Um, whereas the the Travel Marvel. Um, it, it was, uh, in fact, one of the last uh, seasons for, for that ship. Um, APT has now uh, updated to a new um, complement of ships for the Travel Marvel brand. Um, and so, yes, a, a complete contrast, um, you know, really. And, and once you're back onto the Emma Magna, in fact, the Emma Magna, all of the, the people on the, um, you know, who are operating on the docks and everything, they call it the fat lady um, because <laughs> it's just so big. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and that new ship smell i love that when you want to ship for a shakedown cruise and oh, you, you know the carpets and everything's just so fresh yeah yeah no, it was a great experience now given that it was just the christine cruise did you have to do a lifeboat drill uh i just i i had my own uh sort of personal because i arrived the next day um after most of the passengers had been on board so just had a simple sort of run through um of the procedures obviously um you know on a ship that size uh you still only got 196 passengers in total there were um you know a lot of americans on board who were um excited to be part of i think they were loyal customers and you know really excited about this this whole thing um but yes, essentially with the lifeboat drill, um, there's various safe places on the ship. It's um, with, where you go for, for your muster and um, yep. you know, then they take you from there in the event of any emergency. Fabulous. Now, uh, tell us a little bit about the, the, the cabin or the stateroom that you were allocated, the size, was the USB ports, how was the bathroom, etc. Yes, um, look, uh, absolutely uh, every mod con, uh, USB ports, um, uh, you know, fantastic entertainment system. Uh, a lovely large balcony, and it really was a suite. So, so I had um, the, the bed, and then also a sort of sitting area, um, and of course a full bathroom. Um, with yes, I know that you like to know about the shower, um, but yes, definitely, <laughs> definitely no shower curtain. You know, a, a oh, really, good. really schmick. Uh, you know, very luxurious offering, as you'd expect in any sort of new build like that. 
And with the balcony, was it a, a French Juliet style balcony or was it the new um, where the, the glass drops and you have like open air? Um, no, no, it wasn't like it wasn't the the that that one with the the dropping window. It was it was a proper um, proper balcony, um, so okay. not even a French one. Um, uh, you can physically you know, sit you can out there. Sit and out there. Yeah, that's right. Because yep. they they just have so much room available with this um, double width. Now you mentioned there's a, a, a fair few dining choices on board. I had a quick look at the deck plans and uh, could see there's a, a four from from what I could work out. Did you, given that it was a short cruise, did you get a chance to eat in all of them? Uh, no, I didn't. Um, but I, but I, I, I think that I, I, I'm just trying to recall. I definitely experienced all of them. I don't think I had a full meal. Um, one okay. night I went for drinks. Um, so the, the, they've got the, the main dining room. Um, they've, and they've, they've actually got venues that are sort of, uh, I guess, reference to the owners of Armour Waterway. So there's a thing called Jimmy's Bar, which is, um, tribute to Jimmy Murphy, who was one of the um, co-founders. Um, and there's also one called McGeary's Pub, um, named after Jeff McGeary, who's the owner of APT. Um, yeah. But my favourite venue um, is, the, I think they call it the River Cafe or something. Anyway, it's it's this lovely area at the front of the ship uh, where you can um, have a light meal or, or you know, full dinner um, and lunch and it's just all very airy um it's all glass and you're at the front of the ship so as you're cruising up the up the river you just have this fantastic vista um and you know you're inside in the shelter but you know really experiencing those amazing views along the danube oh beautiful and in the main restaurant is it um open seating go anytime you like the way you like yes totally um I, I, you know, I, I presume that that might change in these COVID days, um, but at the moment, or they might have rosters or something like that to ensure physical distancing. But no, there's again, there's such a lot of room, such a lot of flexibility that um, you could just go anytime. Um, you know, it, everything laid on. It's a terrific product. Now we've we've talked a bit about how how big the ship is. Um, it obviously got some extra features that aren't available on. Other riverboats, things like the, the water sports platform, you've got the pool, yes. you've also got a cinema. Um, how, was, how was the the move of people on board? Plenty of space, you could find somewhere to call your own? Oh, oh absolutely. In fact, um, the, the, the cinema, um, there were a few kids on board and they, they were in the cinema all the time, either watching DVDs or playing you know, video games on this giant oh, yeah. screen. Um, the, you know, m- most of the other passengers didn't use that. Um, I think that they would uh, on a longer cruise. Um, yeah, there are lots of spaces. The water sports platform is a really interesting innovation. Um, so the the ship's been designed by a guy called Rudy Schreiner, who's kind of a, a real legend in the um, in the river cruising world and uh, real pioneer. And so this was, you know, quite an innovation. Um, they've got a boat that um, comes out, so like a speedboat. And so I, oh, wow. I, I think they're kind of just working out what they were going to use this this for. But it's essentially a deck at the back of the ship. Um, it, it Yes, it's got a boat that can be lifted from there. And so you could sort of jump onto the speedboat and go off and do shore excursions. Um, we didn't do any of that because it was such a short cruise. But yeah. um, we there was a function out there. And so and you could definitely have a barbecue out there. So 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 even more sort of flexibility because you've got all of this space. And do you think they would be doing water sports like on the Danube? I can't imagine kayaking. Well, or... I, I, I can't speak for Rudy, but I, I think that um, it was an experiment. And, right. yeah, I, I don't know. 
I, I think he thought, you know, I really want to give this a go. He's designed lots and lots of ships. Um, but I, yes, I, I think operationally, I'm not sure how they are going to use it. Um, okay. Yeah, they, I think it's definitely had plans. It had the ability to store, you know, kayaks and, you know, all that sort of thing. But a few people said, oh, you know, where are you going to do that? Um, you know, because it's quite a fast-flowing river, they, they'd certainly need yeah. a place where they wanted to make sure that the uh, the avid kayakers aren't getting swept away down to the Black Sea. <laughs> Either way, I guess it makes a nice additional outdoor entertainment to- space if they need it. Totally. And just, and you know, if there was a, a big group on board, perhaps they could have a, you know, private uh, dining there, um, you know, some sort of event, and, and right away from the rest of the, the ship where uh, so you're sort of not disturbing other passengers you know really gives them a lot of flexibility a lot of ideas normally we talk about the the, the places that you, you went to but it was a very short cruise and it really was centered um around the the christening but i believe you did a bit of a bike ride through the the wakao valley yeah um and and the the ship has um they have these bikes uh tons of bikes um which uh, again, um, they're on the top deck. So the, the top deck, there's all sorts of space around it. Um, and um, they, they lifted these bikes down um, and we just had a lovely um, sort of meander along the, the bike paths there. In fact, as the ship was relocating, so, so we sort of got dropped off. Um, we were led um, by some local guides um, and just sort of went straight down the river and then, then met up with the ship at, um, you know, a couple of hours later. Really delightful. I mean, it was uh, Ju- July last year, July 2019. Absolutely, you know, stunning weather. Um, you know, just a really great experience of that amazing scenery along the river. Did you stop off at a winery along the way? Uh, no, I, I didn't this time. I have, <laughs> I have in the past. Um, but but also the winery involves, sometimes it involves, you know, Climbing up the hill and, you know, I wasn't about that. I just wanted to be on the flat. <laughs> now, for those that don't know, APT is pretty much all-inclusive, so you don't really have to put your, your hand in your pocket at all. So there's, there's no opportunity to ask about the, the cost of a beer because it's all included, which is great. Yeah, that's right. Although um, it, it is interesting to note that, um, so APT, uh, the parent company of APT, ATG, owns part of this ship part of armor and and but apt do their own departures of this ship and so um 2020 and i presume 2021 i mean 2020s off i presume but um they they did a special they had planned a special two-week departure under the apt brand which is all inclusive and that was going to be the lower danube down to the black sea um but you can also book the armor departures which are only a week long because they suit the american market better um, you can also book them through apt and in and in that case the the things are a little bit different it's not okay i, I think um, not all of the inclusions are the same right okay yeah i had a little look for 2021 they've got a couple of departures uh, budapest to vienna which is a 13 night and budapest sorry budapest to bucharest uh, which is a seven night itinerary so uh, a okay, few options there. Yeah. so yeah they, they, they are sort of yeah, experimenting a little bit, I think, to see what appeals to the Australian market. Australians, as you know, generally want to book a longer cruise because you're flying all that way to, to Europe to um, have this experience. Um, whereas the American market, uh, which is Armour's core uh, demographic, um, they have shorter holidays. And so so they do a lot of Armour Magna usually is the, the majority of the season is one week itineraries. Now, we would normally talk about the entertainment on board. Um for people that haven't done a river cruise, entertainment on river cruise is very low key. It's certainly not your your Vegas style shows that you would find on a big ocean going vessel. Uh, but 
you had the opportunity to go to the christening, which is pretty unique. So tell us a little bit about that. Oh, look, this was a, a sensational experience. It was in a little village called Grein, G-R-E-I-N, and, um, which has a, a sort of cruise dock on it. And clearly uh, the locals are very... Uh, they they love the cruise uh, the river cruise passengers coming and so it was sort of to acknowledge their welcoming nature over the years for armor ships um, but it was you know the biggest day of the year it must have been for those locals um, all of these kids um, you know dressed up in traditional costume welcoming the guests off the ship and and I would say everyone in the town uh, you know was involved in this this gala event. Uh, which went on all afternoon, and so, and so the so we we docked. You got off. I think they were serving champagne as as you got off, um, and local sort of delicacies um, from all of the local kids. Um, yeah, so sort of a big, almost a big cocktail party on, on the shore, um, and then uh, the music started, and it involved uh, people just sort of in character. It started off with a waltz um, because obviously it's it's part of Austria. Um, you know the Austrian waltzing tradition and so these people um did, did a, a you know a mozart waltz and then they had i think it was the same performance but they quickly changed and became um sang some songs from the, the sound of music oh. uh, from the sound of music which which they really loved um and then the highlight for me was that one of them changed identity again and he became a, a, an absolute mirror image of this of a performer that some of the readers some of our listeners might might know a guy called falco <laughs> who um and honestly i thought he was the real thing um but you know i quickly uh, looked it up on my phone and found that he he died in some bizarre accident many years ago um and uh, but this guy was just so fantastic and and he was uh, really interacting with the guests um uh, he you know he made <laughs> made some of them sing along with his uh, the commissar is one of one of his songs and oh boy oh boy the americans really knew that song <laughs> yeah it, it was it was a great experience so and so that was the um sort of the prequel to the actual christening experience um which then involved uh, a lady called Samantha Brown who's a uh, uh in america she's a sort of runs a big travel show um on tv and, and she loves river cruising, and so she was there with her family. Um, and so uh, there were various official, um, I think the local member, or certainly the mayor, made a speech, and uh, and then Rudy, uh, the APT guys, and, and, and armour people said something, and then she she smashed the champagne on the side of the, the ship, and, and awkwardly it didn't break oh, no. for the first time. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> Bad luck. I was right there. <laughs> I said, come on, Samantha, get, use your muscles. And anyway, she had another go and it smashed away. So, oh, good. A few. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and then I, I should talk about the entertainment. Uh, the, the, the entertainment continued. Uh, we sort of went from the shore, then sort of back onto the ship. And all of the locals also got to walk through the ship. And oh, I think brilliant. that was a big thrill for them because usually they, you know, it's sort of, you know, they're not allowed on board. So it was an experience for them. And then they had um, some acrobatics. That, so again, because the ship is so huge, um, the top deck is a, you know a very large um, space. There's a bar up there, but also that's where they store the bikes. Um, anyway, they they had this sort of acrobatic setup um, on there, and by this time it was night time, and so sort of various aerial antics. Um, oh. And then of course the night ended with a fabulous fireworks uh, display. So oh, beautiful! Yes, you know, really, um, you know, I felt so privileged to be part of such an experience. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, 
in the industry, everybody talks about over tourism and what damaged ships do, but yeah. there's places that rely on riverboats and ocean going ships, and without them, they're 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 really really struggling this year. Totally, and and you could just see that, um, you know, there, there was a real love between the the people on shore and and the the crew. The, you know, the crew knew them all. Um, and and just a, it's a real partnership, you know. It wasn't a matter of this this big American company or Australian, you know, coming in and and exploiting the locals. The locals were so welcoming, and just I, you know, I think that the rise of river cruising over the over recent years has really just um, you know transformed the local economy. Oh, absolutely. Um, and and you know, and and in a completely sustainable way, um, you know. And and so yeah, so I think it was to to do the christening there in this tiny little village, you know, that no one's ever even heard of. Um, it was just so appropriate and, and just a real tribute to the way that, um, you know, cruising can really make a contribution. Excellent. Now, back on board, have you got a favourite place that you, if you were going back on Magnet, you'd go straight back to? Oh, look, definitely the, this uh, cafe at the, at the front of the ship. Um, I, I was um, working at the same time and it was just such a lovely place, open air, um, very comfortable. And, and of course, the crew, you know, extremely attentive, um, you know, in any time of day. And so it was just a very pleasant place to sit. But also, I've got to say, um, just my cabin also was very, very comfortable. Um, unfortunately, I was on my own. My, my wife wasn't able to come on this trip. Um, and But it was, it, you know, it would have been plenty of room for two people. And, and you know, also just a great place to, to relax and watch the, the water go by. If uh, the guys at APT or Ammo Waterways happen to be listening, have you got a message to them, good, bad, or ugly? Um, I, I, I would say um, I wish there were more departures for Australian passengers. Uh, I, I think it is a really remarkable product, and I think that um, definitely for for anyone who's used to an ocean cruise, you know, with perhaps a larger cabin or suite, um, and and who this is a really great migration to experience river um but with that sort of high standard of you know lots of spaciousness um so i would say more 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 departures for australian passengers yeah i couldn't agree more in fact i'd like i'd like to see another few of those ships because really um crystal had one briefly but that's no longer in operation i believe and so i think Ammer and apt have got the only one they they do and and i spoke to rudy about you know what what he's going to do you know is there more planned and i mean obviously everything's on hiatus with covid but um but but he, he did say that they had a they've sort of got various construction slots um you know booked in with the shipyards mm-hmm. and there was one upcoming one that they would have been able to convert to one of these uh, oh. these larger ships i the the issue is there are a lot of logistics around um because you can't get it down the river um they they get them built in uh Usually in Holland or in the Netherlands, and then they've got to bring them around by the by sea, and oh. then uh, and so so there's a lot of extra logistics and costs, and I think that that's part of part of why um, there aren't a lot of these these ships. It, it, sort of, yeah, I don't know that it all stacks up yeah. um, <clears throat> financially. As you say, the extra issues they're limited to that one section of the river Correct. that they can really use it on. Correct, and, and look, it's, and it's an awesome section of the river. You know, there's plenty of stuff to do. You know, you're not, but but you can't do the traditional 14 day, you know, Amsterdam to Budapest, vice yep. versa. Yep. Um, using it because it won't fit through the canals. Fabulous. 
Bruce, I've really enjoyed it. I've learned quite a bit today. Um, I've been to a few christings, but never been to a river cruise christing and uh, certainly never cruised on Amma Magna myself, but I hope to at some point. Um, obviously, you're in the, the, the cruise and the travel industry and COVID has turned everything upside down. Um, will you be getting on a ship anytime well, when you can? Will you get on a ship? Oh, look, I cannot wait. Um, we we have a publication called Travel and Cruise Weekly where, where we've been publishing weekly editions through all of this, um, you know, drama, uh, just to sort of, it's called Keep Dreaming. Um, and we, yeah, we really want people to, to keep thinking about, uh, you know, where they're going to travel next. Um, my wife, yes, just yesterday, she, she had a couple of brochures and, you know, just we are definitely thinking about what we'd love to do. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's, it's awful to see how the world's changed. But, I, but let's hope that, you know, in a year's time, this is all just a bad dream and, um, you know, we can actually be back on the water and experiencing, uh, you know, for sure, the incredible stuff that crews can offer. Absolutely. Now, just remind us where we can find that uh, online publication because it is beautiful and it really has some great imagery and, and great insights into destinations. Thanks, Baz. Yeah, it's it's an online at travelandcruiseweekly.com.au. Um, it's free. Um, it's a it's got puzzles, you know, for you to do in isolation, but also lots of inspirational ideas for um, both international, but also at the moment, you know, domestic ideas as well um, as borders are opening up. Fabulous. I'll be sure to put the link in the show notes as well so people can find it if they, they head to our website. Bruce, Thanks, thank man. you very, very much, mate. Really appreciate it. And I look forward to speaking to you again when you can cruise again. Awesome. Thanks, Baz. That's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favourite podcasts. Until next time, bon voyage. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.